me being your last son, and I was glad to be here so he could get some rest, but I don't think he's... Somebody shot me. I don't... Before I got started, I don't think he's so glad today that, I, that I'm uh, here because uh, he has COVID, but we've been praying for him, and uh, in his stead, I cannot do what he does, but I'm going to share with you from the Bible. I... Um, I love good stories, and I used to could find them about a dozen stories you could tell at church. They're hard to find anymore, but old Dr. Roy Angel was one of the greatest uh, storytellers that I've, I've ever read, and he, uh, he was one of the most requested uh, speakers up at Ridgecrest years ago, and um, just a few years ago I spoke at, at um, Bear Swamp Church down in Lakeview, and I used one of his stories, and at the end of the service, this lady came up to me, and, and she said, I want you to know you brought back some wonderful memories today. She said, when we were young, we used to go to Ridgecrest every summer, and we loved Dr. Roy Angel. So I'm going to share some of his stories with you this morning, and uh, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5. Begin reading at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. In just a few minutes... We're going to get up and march out of this church and we're going to go eat and I don't know what else we'll do today. But we're going to be out amongst people and this church building is going to still be standing here. Uh, yesterday we had a funeral service here and I was just walking around looking at the landscape and how beautiful, a beautiful church that we have in a reminder to people that pass through this town that God's alive. But when this church empties this morning, this will just be a building. But a special building, of course, because it's a building that we come to worship on Sunday. But it will still be a building and the church will be on the outside. Everywhere we go, every individual we encounter we will be a reminder that, that, that we're part of the church. A body that God loves so much that Christ gave his life. He shed his blood for the church. So a glorious church would be a church full of consecrated people with pure minds and hearts willing to let the Holy Spirit guide us in all that we do to show the world who God really is, to show the world what kind of love Christ really has and had for us that involved his giving his very own life so that we could have eternal life. Now, I'm going to share some of Dr. Angel's stories, but I want to first share one of my own. It's not one I'm very pleased of. Uh, so let me tell you how the church ought not to operate. Uh, a good many years ago now, 
I went over to North Carolina in a hospital, and uh, of course someone had died, and I removed the person and, and brought him back to Dillon. Well, North Carolina's different than, they have different laws governing them than, than we do here. And um, the health department was closed. The hospital didn't know what to do. I called the local funeral home there that we'd known for years and years, and they didn't even know what we ought to do. So I came back to Dillon with the person and with no kind of papers. And the law requires that a barrel removal permit accompany you in case you get stopped for one thing. Well, we sent the death certificate over to file it at the health department and, and the young man that I sent was a fine fellow but he's easy to embarrass and so he called me so I'm talking to him on the phone and he's talking to her and the lady was real upset with me because the necessary papers had not been filed and I tried to explain to her that nobody could tell me how to get them, not even the hospital or the funeral home there and, and, and she, she just didn't listen. Or I didn't think she listened. And so we kept right on and I, I, I couldn't make any, I didn't make any headway. And so the young man on the phone, I said, well, you tell that woman that I said to go to the place where the devil lives. But I didn't say it in that manner. And uh, she told that young man, said, you tell Mr. Cooper, I'll see that he can't cross the line to pick up anyone else that, that dies over here. Well, when I hung up the phone, that thing immediately began to bother me for what I had said to her. And uh, I asked the Lord to forgive me for it. And of course, he reminded me that someone else had to forgive me too. And I spent them, it was late in the afternoon, so we couldn't do anything. It was about four o'clock when I had said that. I couldn't wait for the morning to come. And when I got up the next morning, the first thing that I did when I got dressed and the clock reached the right hour, I headed to that health department in, in North Carolina. And uh, when I went in, she looked a little bit surprised to see me and a little apprehensive. But anyway, we went in, the, we went in her office and sat down, and, and I had one of the best talks with her that I've ever guess, had with anyone. I, I apologized to her. And, you know, she told me, she said, well, I didn't listen real well to you. I said, well, that doesn't matter. I should never have said to you what I said, but we talked a long time, and actually now when I go to that health department, I look forward to seeing her. But this is the thing that I want you to remember. It's not that I apologized to her, and it's not uh, that she forgave me. But this is what I'll always remember, and I want you to remember about that conversation. During that conversation, that lady looked in my face, and she said, Mr. Cooper, I went home last night and I told my husband what you said. My husband said, I cannot believe that. I heard that man preach in a pulpit in Bennettsville, South Carolina. I certainly did not represent a glorious church. A church committed to showing to the world who Christ really is. A good many years ago now, Dr. Roy Angel told the story of a, of a salesman who was sent by his company uh, to a little town that was about up in the Cumberland Mountains. 
He was about 50 miles from the railroad, so he had to hire a buggy and horses to get him to his destination. And he said when he got pretty close uh, to where they were going, they came to a point where the man stopped his buggy and you could look down the, look down the hill, down the mountain. And the man driving the buggy said, I want you to look at that little church that sits on top of that knoll. He said, I think it's one of the most beautiful churches I've ever seen in my life. And so they began to drive down that hill, down the mountain to where the church was, and no one said anything. It was quiet. And when he got to the, to the bottom of the mountain, he pulled up where the church was, and the man riding with him got out of the buggy, and, and the man driving the buggy went on to the livery stable to put up the horses. And the man just stood there, that salesman stood there, looked at that building and admired that building. And in a little while he looked and he saw there was a parsonage there. So he, he walked over to the parsonage and he knocked on the door. He said a long, tall, slender, uh, black-headed man came to the door. And he was the preacher. And he told him, he said, that's the most beautiful church I've ever seen. Would you show me around? And the preacher, he said, grabbed his old black felt hat and put on his head and they began to walk and the preacher began to talk a little bit. And, and after a while, he said, the preacher said, you see that road that, that leads up to the church building? He said, long time ago, we used to drive our horses and buggies across those rough stones. We used to bump across them in the buggy and the horses would stumble across them. And he looked at the salesman and he said, do you get it? And the salesman said, I think I do. He said, I think there are people that we bump into and uh, they give us a, a bumpy ride. We stumble over them. They make us unhappy. He said, but there are people that if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they could be important stones in the building of that church. He said the old preacher didn't say anything for, for a good while, and they walked along. And he said in a little bit, the preacher said, he, he pointed over toward the fence. He said, you see that big stone over there? He said, that stone was down in a ravine. He said it took four horses, four, four mules and, and six of us men all day long to get it out of that hole and, and, and get it up to where we wanted it. He said, but when you pass by that hole, you always see that stone and it, it just sparkled. It looked like agate. He said, we were so happy and he said, I just knew that that would be the foundation stone for our new church. And he said the, the master mason came and he looked at it and he said, fellas, said, this is going to be the most beautiful uh, stone, church cornerstone that, that is in the world. And he said, then the master mason took his hammer and he struck the hammer against the rock. And he said, his smile disappeared. And he took his hammer and he kept tapping around and he said, fellas, this rock has a, a fault in it. 
And so they got some buckets and they washed the stone down and got all the mud off of it. And right in the center of that rock was a big crack. The preacher didn't say anything else for a little bit and then he turned to the man and he said, do you get it? And the man said, I believe I do. He said, there are people that have high positions. There are people who are well known. That could be a cornerstone for God's church, but to have a crack. You know, God did an amazing thing when He placed us in the world as His church. Born again believers. No one more important than the other. All of us have the same responsibility. Jesus didn't say, go and make disciples to all nations. He didn't say it to the twelve disciples or to others to who He preached to. He said it to the whole world. Everywhere you go, tell people about me. Teach them about me. Make disciples of all nations. So then, as His body, as a part of His body, we're to be pure. We're to be good, Christian, clean, pure men and women. Dr. Roy Angel tells of a time when Charles Kraft, who was the owner of Kraft Cheese Company, spoke at his church in Florida. And he said, at the end of his sermon, he told this story, and he said, I've always remembered it. He said he was planning a trip out west. And one day, he said a lady came to see him, and she said, Mr. Kraft, I understand that you're going out west. And then she began to sob. And she said, I have a son who's in Alcatraz. Would you go by and see him for me? Well, the day arrived that Mr. Kraft did go to that prison and he sat in the warden's office and he told the warden about this young man whose mother had come to see him. And the warden told him, he said, Come with me to the door. And he pointed down the hall. Mr. Kraft said it was a long, narrow hall. Steel walls. And he said, as I began to walk down that hall, all of a sudden, a hand reached out in front of me and said, Stop! He said, I stopped and I saw some lights flash and, and I heard a buzzer go off. And then the boy said, You can go now, you're clean. And Mr. Kraft said, I turned around and indignant. And he said, I said to him, I'm always clean. What do you mean? He said, the guard laughed and said, Mr. Kraft, I just looked into your pockets to see what you had. And Mr. Kraft said, that kind of intrigued me. And I said, well, what did I have in my pockets? And he said, in your left-hand pocket, you had some change. In your right-hand pocket, you had your billfold. And in your inside pocket in your coat, you had a pin with a gold band around it. 
Mr. Kraft said as I continued walking down that hall. All of a sudden I stopped and I thought, what would I do if I turned the next corner and there stood Jesus? And he said, stop. I want to look at your heart. How clean is your heart on the inside? God's church. A group of called out believers in the world. So you know what? God's church would be a church with consecrated pure people. It would be a church of praying people. Dr. Angel said that he had Dr. George Truitt preach a revival at his church. He said, I've never heard such a praying man. He said, he always prayed for others. He had a heart for all people. And he said, sometimes in his ministry, when he would go to the pulpit, he would begin his service by praying. And he said, some, he said many times those prayers were so awe-inspiring that, that you just stopped. Didn't want to do anything except listen to Dr. Truett pray. He said many times I'd get letters from Dr. Truett, and always in those letters he would say, I'm praying for you personally. Or he would say, I have called you by name in prayer. Prayer is the most wonderful gift that God has given to us as His people. To be able to come and, 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 and in His very presence through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we can talk with Him as we talk with one another. He wants to hear about our day. He wants to hear about our problems. He wants to share in, in the joys that we have had that day. And God wants us to pray for those who are in the world without a Savior. For those who have been blinded to the truth and, and they just walk aimlessly. And then I want to tell you another story that Dr. Roy Angel tells about a young man. It shows that God's church is different from any, it's not an organization, it's a body. It's different from anything else. Stuart Chase. Stuart Chase worked for a bank. And everybody connected with that bank loves Stuart Chase. The board of directors, the president of the bank, for he was a fine young man and, and was doing a wonderful job. And he was coming up for promotion. And at the same time, he was offered a job where he would make a million dollars in just a few short months. But something worried Stuart Chase because everything wasn't just right. There were some shady things that he was going to have to do to make this money. And so one morning at the breakfast table, Stuart Chase told his mother, 
what was going on in his life. And he said, Mama, what would you do? He said, that dear old Scottish mother of mine folded her hands and bowed her head and said she prayed a long time. And he said, then she lifted up her head and opened her eyes. He said, her eyes just sparkled. And she said to me, son, every morning I go in your room to wake you up. When I go in there, I shake you and you'll moan a little bit. Then I shake you again a little bit harder and you'll open one eye. She said, then I shake you kind of real hard and, and you wake up. She said, son, I'd hate to come into your room one morning and you'd be wide awake. Dr. Roy Angel said that the man that told that story, Stuart Chase, said he told it in the third person as if it were someone else. He said, but every one of us left there believing that it was Stuart Chase himself. And then a glorious church would have a glorious missionary zeal. I'm proud to be a member of First Baptist in Dillon because there is a missionary zeal here. The people of this church, the body of Christ, they long for people to be saved. Not only in Dillon County, but across the world. And so I share with you another of Dr. Roy Angel's stories. Dr. Angel said that Dr. Madry, who at that time was on the mission board, he had come to North Carolina, and Dr. Madry said it was a, a beautiful spot there in North Carolina. And um, he was riding in a buggy, so you know this has been a long time ago. He was riding with a, in a buggy with a deacon. And as they rode along the road, he said, we came to a church on the right-hand side of the road. And Dr. Madry said that was the ugliest, most dilapidated building. He said it swayed in the middle. The shutters were falling off. Stuff was missing from the roof. Paint was gone. Steps torn down. And the grass in the churchyard hides your head. And Dr. Madry said, I asked him, what kind of church was that? He said, I was almost scared to ask him because I was afraid he'd say it was a Baptist church. And he said, that's exactly what he said. He said, that's a Baptist church. And Dr. Madry said, why in this world doesn't somebody tear that church down? He said, it's a disgrace. And he said, that old deacon said, Dr. Madry, you, you don't quite understand. He said, but you wait just a few minutes and you'll understand. They drove on down the road and in just a little bit, he said, they pulled up in front of one of the most beautiful churches that he'd ever seen. Beautifully painted inside of the church, beautiful the churchyard, well manicured. And he said, I said to that deacon, what kind of church is that? He said, again, I was afraid that he might not say, 
he was a Baptist, and he said, this is a Baptist church. He said, Dr. Madry, a long time ago, all of us used to meet down that, that church that's so dilapidated. That's where we all worship together. He said, until one day, we called a preacher who had a, a, a burning in his heart for missions. He wanted the dark places of the world to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And half of us kind of caught on to that and, and, and we were getting into that vision with him, but the other half of the church didn't want anything to do with missions. He said, so Dr. Madry, we called a meeting of the church and we said to them, we know that, that, that y'all don't want to follow this preacher in, in his teachings on, on missions. He said, we want to start a new church, but we don't want to fuss. We don't want a church fuss. We want to give you this church and we'll, we'll go start another. He said, Dr. Madry, over the years, all of those people, down at that old dilapidated church, came over to this church. And he said, we thought about tearing down that church because it is an ugly sight. He said, but we said, no. Let's leave it there so that we'll always see that that church is a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ, is a testimony to missions. That a church that does not believe in missions will die. You know, I'm sure you have. I've seen, I've seen churches that have fussed and split up over the color of the carpet. Over how the pews were placed. All sorts of things. And then I want to tell you something this morning. I talked with a preacher. He's long been dead. I talked to him one day and his, his heart was really burdened. And I want to tell you what he said to me. He said, Benny, I just left a young preacher. He said he talked to me about the church that he was pastoring. And folks, this is this is not a glorious church. He said, that young preacher said to me, Preacher Dave, the only thing worse than going to hell that I know of is being pastor of such and such a church. What a testimony. And then lastly, a glorious church would be a giving church. It would be a church where we bring our tithes and our offerings and, and we gladly do so because that God is, has been so good to us and has blessed us so. And You know, some of our money goes to missions. Some of it goes to support church staff. But it's necessary. Again, Dr. Angel tells of a time when he had Warren Hook 
who came to his church to preach. And he said one night, right after the service, I said to him, Dr. Hook, how many people in your church tithe? And he said, Dr. Hook said, every one of them. And Dr. Angel said, how in the world do you get on the top? He said, how many members do you have? He said, I have 1,900. And he said, 1,900 of them tithe. He said, yes. He said, Dr. Angel, about 100 of them tithe. And God goes by and collects from the rest. A glorious church that one day we the church those of us who have sat in First Baptist Church on Sunday morning and have been saved one day with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Christ will call his church to him. A church that he died for and that he says himself is to be presented to him. A church without spot or without wrinkle. What a glorious privilege to be a member of the body of Christ. What a glorious privilege to be a member of First Baptist Church in Dillon. And though I know all of us don't always do everything just right, we don't get everything just right, but I do know that First Baptist Church in Dillon has a heart for missions. I do know that First Baptist Church in Dillon has a heart of love for people less fortunate than we are. And I remember that Jesus said, if you want people to know that you're my disciple. Love one another. You know, I meant to say this in denial hush about tithing. When Fred Brown's wife died, we had our service, and you know what he found in her Bible? He found her envelope already filled out. Isn't it wonderful to belong to a group of people, the body of Christ, that love you? And when you do things wrong, they forgive you. But most of all, Christ, who forgives us and forgets. During this time of invitation, Brother Peacock's going to be down front. If, you, if there's something that you need to get right with the Lord, I don't know. I'm just going to give you that opportunity as we sing together our hymn of invitation. To every question.